again. Good, good morning. We are glad that you are here today. Welcome. As we uh, continue in worship this morning, we're going to be taking this morning's gifts, tithes, and offerings. As we do on the, the second uh, Sunday of the month, there are two offerings. The first, the first offering is for the church, for the general fund. And then the second offering that will be uh, going around is, also, is for missions, as we support the work of uh, missionaries around the world. So that's uh, just to explain that to you if you're visiting with us today. I'm going to ask those who are going to be coming, take me off, if you, would, if you would do that now and join me in prayer as we ask the Lord's blessing. Father, we consider it an honor and a privilege to join your work in this way by giving to the support not only of the ministries of IAC, but of the work that you're doing around the world, that we, through our giving, are connected beyond just our neighborhood, just this building and church, but that we are part of a worldwide desire and effort to see the gospel of Jesus Christ preached, proclaimed, and lived out. We pray, Father, that you would use these monies for that purposes, that you grant wisdom and discernment to those people who will be dispersing the money, and Father, that every penny would be used uh, to come along to the ministry that you have for us. As we pray, we give cheerfully in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So as the offering is being taken, just to give you a, a little bit of a background, again, as Neri said today, uh, this morning, and I will remind you again because it is very important. Uh, that we will be having a meeting next uh, next Sunday, right after the service. We'll take a five-minute break. We'll come back in. Uh, and uh, we've been asking you to pray about the proposal that was brought uh, three weeks ago by our district superintendent. And we hope that you've been doing that. And also, so tomorrow, we'll, uh, that's next Sunday, we'll have an opportunity to ask any questions that you might have. I'll try to answer those as best I can. Uh, and then after that meeting, then the governing board will be meeting uh, to uh, vote on that decision. So uh, it is your opportunity to be part of that and to ask questions. And uh, if language is a problem, which sometimes can be, we'll, we'll try to have translation so that you'll know everything that's going on. I encourage you to be here for that. So we have been in this study now for a number of weeks on uh, what is called the ten, the ten Commandments or the great, Ten Great Words of, of Life. And this morning, we are going to be turning to Exodus chapter 20, if you have a Bible or however you get it. Uh, Exodus chapter 20, we're going to focus on one verse, and that is verse 7. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Let's pray. Father, as we come to this portion of your word, um, we may come with a, a lot of uh, ideas of what it means. 
but we pray that through your Holy Spirit that you'd speak to us and that our hearts and our minds would be open to everything that you want to teach to us, that you want to communicate to us today, and that through it we would be changed by the power of your Holy Spirit, by the anointing upon your word. We ask this. Amen. Amen. Again, we want to kind of just recap a little bit in saying that these words that we call the Ten Commandments, it's important that we understand who they were given to. It's going to be really important today as we go into this, that the words were given to people who already had relationship with God. They had experienced slavery in Egypt and they had been delivered from that slavery. They had been given the promise that they were going to be going to a land that God had ordained for them, and they were on the, this journey. So these words, these Ten Commandments, were not given to people who don't know God in order that they might earn God's favor. They were not given for that reason. They were given to people who already knew God in, in, in the New Testament language, people who were followers of Jesus Christ, and these were words that were given so that they could walk in the fullness of what God had planned for them. So we've already looked at the first, first two, and we talked about the jealousy of God and how that was a very passionate word, that God is not dispassionate towards us, that, that this is not just a light relationship, that he is not going to be settled for a relationship that only takes place for one hour on Sunday, but that he's after our whole life. So we put God first, and we accept no substitutes. That was the second one, that not to have idols in our life. And then this morning, this third one that I just read, uh, another, maybe another translation that you, you have is, is this one. You, sh you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. That's kind of a little vague, taking the name of the Lord God in vain. So let's, unpacking that, that Hebrew word for the last word, vain, is, is really important. It's, it's the same word. Uh, last week, we talked a little bit about Solomon writing in Ecclesiastes and how Solomon had pursued all these things, everything that the world had to offer, and the conclusion that he came to that after he pursued everything that his heart desired was that it was vanity of vanities or meaningless, meaningless. That's the same word. Meaningless vanity is the same word for the word vain. So to do something in vain is to take the meaning out of it, to make it, to make it empty. So, so paraphrasing again this commandment, it, it could be this way. God telling his people who, who know him, don't bring my name to a place where it's empty of meaning. Don't bring my, my name to a place where it doesn't mean anything. That word vain is the opposite of the word honor. That when we look at the, the commandment, honor your mother and father. Honor is the opposite of the word. Vanity is the opposite 
of, of honoring. So expanding the command, it, it speaks of using the name of the Lord our God to become a slogan for our cause, to become, to become a swear word for our frustration and reducing it to nothing. That's what it's speaking of. Now, now I understand, I want to state right up front that, that this whole idea of taking the Lord's name in vain or making it empty is a very real spiritual dynamic. It isn't just culture that some people use. It's this idea that it's the work of the enemy, the specific goal of the enemy is to demean the name of God. In other words, to take the meaning out of the name of God and make it small in people's thinking. So it's, it's more, again, than just a cultural thing that some people swear and use the Lord's name. There is a very spiritual dynamic or force behind that thing. So what are some common ways in which we misuse the name of the Lord or we take the name of the Lord in vain? Now, these aren't the only ways, but these are just, just several. The first would be this, is to mindlessly overuse it. Now, overusing the name of the Lord is, in fact, we don't use it enough. <laughs> we should be calling on the name of the Lord a lot more than we end. But, but what I'm talking about overusing it is, is when we just toss it in mindlessly to conversations. <clears throat> For example, you may have been part of a conversation, talked to somebody in the church, and in their conversation, they just start throwing in the words like, hallelujah, praise the Lord, bless his name, glory to his name. And it's almost like just tossed in to make this, the conversation sound spiritual, but there's no meaning for it. It's just being tossed in, using his name without really even thinking about it. Now again, Solomon in Ecclesiastes chapter five, verse one says this, go near to listen rather than offer, offer the sacrifice of fools who don't know that they are doing wrong. So there's, in that, that, there is no evil intent in that. It's just they're not thinking about it. And then he goes on and he says this, he says, don't be so quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before the Lord. So we take the name of the Lord in vain when we just kind of mindlessly toss it into conversations to make ourselves sound like we're being spiritual. The second way that we might misuse the name of the Lord is to manipulate people. When we, when we attach God's name to what we're saying, uh, I don't know if you, you, let me tackle it this way. So there's a gift of prophecy that is very real, that is absolutely essential. Paul says it's absolutely essential in the life of the church. And that is being able to, to, to speak what God is communicating. And it's a very real ministry, very vitally important. But I don't know if you've ever had the someone 
who would come up to you and say, you know, I was praying and, and God told me to tell you. I think you should all be suspicious when somebody tells you that. Or, or they'll say, you know, I was thinking about you and God showed me this sin in your life. And so, so God told me to tell you about that sin. And what we're doing sometimes when we're doing that is, is manipulating people so that even if somebody were to disagree and, and say, somebody says, you, I, God told me you have this sin in your life and you go, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't have this sin. By putting God's name on that, you're not disagreeing with them. They're trying to convince you you're disagreeing with God. So be very, very careful when we put God's name on saying, when we use that phrase, thus saith the Lord, to be absolutely sure that God is the one who is saying this. The prophet Ezekiel in chapter 22, verse 28 says, it says, talking about Israel's prophets, say her prophets whitewashed their deeds for them with false visions and lying divinations. They say, this is what the sovereign Lord says when the Lord has not spoken. That's what we're talking about. When we use God's name to manipulate, thus saith the Lord when in fact God has not spoken what we're saying. We're just trying to get them to do what we want them to do. Unfortunately, one of the worst offenders of this are pastors. When there's a ministry that needs to be done in the church and nobody's setting, st stamping forward to do the ministry, the pastor approaches you and says, you know, I was praying and God told me that you're supposed to take this ministry on. And that puts you in a position of like, so if I disagree, I'm disagreeing with God, I'm disagreeing with the pastor. That's when we talk about manipulating people. And before long, you end up finding yourself doing a lot of things that God's never ever called you to do. But you have been coerced into, into doing it. As well, some people use the name of the Lord to, to defraud. What I mean by this is that when they use God's name to convince you that they're telling you the truth. With phrases like this, I swear to God. I swear to God I'm telling you the truth. Or, as God is my witness, by you get, using God's name in order to get you to trust me, that's using the name of the Lord in vain. Don't use God's name to mask your lies, your evil intent. Jesus said it very, very clearly in Matthew chapter 5, verse 37. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. We don't need to swear to God that we're telling the truth. All we need to do is yes, no. That's simple. The third way that we can misuse the name of the Lord is probably the one that we're most familiar of and the one that we think of first, and that's when we use his name as a swear, as a curse. Nobody else, well, maybe there's maybe one or two people that are old enough to, to remember this, but in the, in the movie, classic movie, 
Gone with the Wind. At the very end of the movie, three hour movie, Rhett Butler says this very simple phrase, frankly, Scarlett, I don't give a damn. That came out in 1939, and when that came out, that was the huge, the biggest scandal in all of movies that Rhett Butler would use the word damn. Jump ahead to today. <laughs> I don't have to chronicle for you the ways to illustrate the ways that the Lord's name is just commonly, commonly used as a curse word, not in media, in movies, in music, in, in, in anything. It is so, it is so common that I truly believe that most, for most people, this is totally done in an unconscious way. That's not an excuse for it, but they're not purposely looking for ways to demean God's name. I'm not saying that it does, doesn't matter, but God's name is often expressed as response to pain, when you hit your thumb, you hit your thumb with a hammer, <laughs> as a surprise, oh my God, or as an expression of disgust. It's really interesting that over the past decade or so, there has been this huge movement to use politically correct language. And, it's, and, it, and it is a good thing that we learn not to use words in a way that are offensive to other people and to be trained in that. And yet, God's name is not even considered in that whole idea. One of the common, I can try to make it as practical as, as I can. So what happens when you're working with somebody every day, or you go to a restaurant and there are conversations going on and people are constantly using the Lord's name as a curse. What's your obligation as a follower of Jesus in that kind of a situation? What do you, what do, you do? I, I know people who, I, I know people who have like been in a restaurant and maybe sitting next to somebody who's who's using the Lord's name. And they would get up and go over and tell them, you know, that's the name of my Lord. You shouldn't do that. Now, I understand the heart behind it. But again, these words were given to people who know God. Can we realistically expect people who don't know God to follow them? So does that mean that we never, ever address it when that ever happens? I guess the best way I can think about it is, is this. When it's in our house, that's something that we can control. In the same way that for some of us, we have, we have a, a custom that when you walk in a house, what do you do? You take your shoes off. And why you do that? You do that because you want to honor the people's home that you're in, right? It's their custom. You're in their home. So you want to follow their custom. 
I think in the same way that if we're in our house and we've got somebody there who's constantly using the name of the Lord in that kind of a way, that we can address it. We can do so in, in, a, grace, in a graceful way, in a way that honors God. In the same way we would ask them to follow any other custom that we might have, have in our home. See, over time, the demeaning, robbing the meaning behind the name of God in our culture has a very real effect, not only in just using the name, but in diminishing faith and hope in the only name that we can claim faith and hope in life, Jesus Christ. So that his name has become this joke, it's become a cliche, it's become a, a swear word. And it's become so common that in people's thinking, they would say, well, why should I even care about what Jesus thinks? Why should I even care about Jesus' opinion or, or Jesus' call on my life? See, the, the truth is that we will not trust anyone that we don't think is competent. And when we rob Jesus' name, when we rob God's name of, of its meaning, we make him irrelevant. And yet, he is the most relevant person who's ever lived. Talk about competency. He raised the dead. He healed the sick. He cleansed the lepers. He delivered those who had demons. He did all that and so much more. His, his name has weight. His name has power. And that's why, in spite of all the attacks of the enemy against the name of God, his name still stands. Why still, 2,000 years later, after he has died, there are people here today in this room who credit him with their life, trust him on a daily basis for their future and for their present because there is power. There is power in spite of the work of the enemy, power in the name of Jesus Christ. There is, an, there is a video, it's, it's about three minutes long, and it is old, it's 50 years old now. And I've watched it many times, and you've probably seen it a number of times, but I wanted us to play it this morning and hear the power in the name of God. Thank you, Sullivan. The Bible says he's a king of the Jews. He's a king of Israel. He's a king of righteousness. He's a king of the ages. He's a king of heaven. He's a king of glory. He's a king of kings. And he is the Lord of lords. Now that's my king. Do you know him? No means of measure can define his limitless love. Well, well, he's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's impurely powerful. And he's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's a centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. Well, he's the loftiest idea in literature. 
He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's a fundamental doctrine of true theology. Do you know him? He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He heals the sick. He cleanses the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feet. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he beautifies the meek. Do you know him? My king is a king of knowledge. He's a wellspring of wisdom. He's a doorway of deliverance. He's a pathway of peace. He's a roadway of righteousness. He's a highway of holiness. He's a gateway of glory. Do you know him? His light is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. His yoke is easy, and his burden is light. I wish I could describe him to you, but he, he's indescribable. He's indescribable. Yeah. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. You can't get him out of your mouth. You can't get him off of your hands. You can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. Well, Pharisees couldn't stand him. But they found out they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him. And the grave couldn't hold him. That's my king. Yeah! He always has been. And he always will be. I'm talking about he had no predecessor. And he'll have no successor. You can't him, keep him, and he's not going to resign. one of those phrases <laughs> and that and that is why you shall not take the name of the Lord in vain thereby reducing it to some kind of a swear word something meaningless when the name of the Lord is honored when the name of the Lord is revered in that name faith is released people are healed people are saved people are delivered and people who are dead in their sins are brought to life. And it, it must be a conscious decision in our hearts and our minds to regard the name of God, to stand in, in a very, against the very real enemy of our souls who seeks to reduce that name to meaningless, to vanity, to nothing, and to deliberately, to counter that, take that name, in faith, to take that name in, in hope and in expectation. So much is the invitation that whatever our need is today, wherever we find ourselves, the invitation of God is to call upon his name and to know that when we call upon the name of Jesus Christ, the very power, the very 
essence of heaven is called down in that most important name, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Let's pray together. Father God, we would pray this morning, for the, again, for the work of your Holy Spirit to take with us that which we've learned. Father, in the ways that we have mindlessly used your name, used your name as a curse, used your name to manipulate other people, used your name just to toss it into a conversation to sound spiritual, we, we repent. We repent. And it is our desire, as we have in worship the songs we sang, as we have in bringing your fourth word, it is our desire to lift the name of Jesus. For it is a name above every other name in heaven and earth. The name at which every knee shall bow and worship. Lord God, we honor you as we honor your name. May we carry forth that honor in the way we live, in the way we speak, in the way we pray. For we pray all this in the matchless name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Amen.